As promised, we are back in the book of Exodus. We are leaving now the Red Sea. So we are going to read all of chapter 14. You do not need to stand, only because we are going to be reading an exorbitant amount of scriptures. All right, there's 31 verses in this chapter. And when I tell you that this is a word from the Lord for you, this is a word from the Lord for you today. Uh, and so, praise God. feel very, very good about this. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. This is, this is Wednesday night Bible class, praise God. And we're att- the Bible instructs us to give attendance to reading. So. But I want us all to, uh, to hear that powerful, powerful and influential chapter of the Bible. Amen. So the main players in this chapter are the Lord. Moses, the children of Israel, Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's army. The chapter opens up with a very uh, often repeated phrase, and it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, speak unto the children of Israel. It's important that we don't just gloss over this, uh, this particular verse and the words that are in it. Uh, we don't want to read that too casually because it's actually a very significant saying that Moses uses repeatedly throughout the entire five books of the Torah or what we would call the beginning of the Old Testament. And the reason that this is significant is because Moses, who is the author of these books, wants to assure the readers that everything that is going on here is not his idea. But this is by divine ordinance and counsel of God. And there's also found in this phrase, uh, and the Lord spoke unto Moses, a very important concept of leadership. Because if God is speaking to Moses, he is not speaking to anybody else. And what that is letting us know is that Israel is really operating, in this sense, from a top-down style leadership. Um, The scripture does not say, and the Lord spoke to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses. And that is letting you know that when it comes to leadership, God is, at least in this sense, operating in a top-down structure. And a hierarchical structure, if you want to call it that. It is not a community event. Everybody will not decide whether or not they are going to flee Egypt. This is the decree of God. Moses is God's spokesman. And the people now must make choices. We either leave or we stay and we suffer. But God has given us a plan, not an option. Somebody say amen. Amen. The children of Israel are three days out of Egypt. And they arrive into a region of a land that leads to the Red Sea. And suddenly they come to a halt directly across uh, from a massive idol. Um, A lot of times when you read this, some people think that The scripture is talking about a particular city or land, but it says that they stood directly across from a place called Baal Sifan. And Baal Sifan, anytime you see the word Baal in the Bible, a lot of people say it's Baal. It's not Baal, it's Baal. Not that you care, but there is your Semitic word for the day. But Baal Sifan literally means the Lord of the watch. The children of Israel are actually sitting uh, in a place called Pai Hahirath. And Pai Hahirath literally means the mouth of the bay. But it also means the mouth of freedom. This is actually a city that they built in Exodus 1 and 11. It had a name called Pitham. And 
God brings them to this area. And they are between the mouth of freedom and the Lord of the watch. There's this big statue, uh, an idol of some kind that is just standing there and it's watching them. And the purpose of this idol is intimidation. The purpose of this idol is to make anybody who tries to leave Egypt feel like you're being watched. You're being watched. You may have got out of our city gates, but you've not gotten out from under our influence. And there's this menacing, ugly, gnarly statue that is just staring down at them. And on the other side, there is a city that they built. Amen. A long, long time ago. Amen. Hallelujah. 13 chapters ago. And it is called the mouth of freedom or the bay of freedom. And now Israel must make a choice. Are we going to pass through freedom? Amen. Or are we going to live under the intimidating gaze of Egypt? But there's choices that need to be made. Somebody say amen. amen. They must make choices whether they are going to be a free people or whether they are going to live, amen, under the shadows of intimidation and menacing gazes. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want freedom. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is not... Um, Interestingly enough, this is exactly where the Lord told them to go. This is where God has them. And from Pharaoh's perspective, it looks like they are confused. In verse 3, the Bible says, For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And I don't have a lot of time to talk about this tonight. But let me just say this. There are a lot of times that it looks like God has got you in a mess. There are a lot of times where it looks like God put you in a situation that you never would have put yourself in. There are a lot of times where it looks like you actually fell in a trap. But guess what? That trap is not for you. That trap is for the enemy. Praise God. There's a lot of situations that God will put you in. And you'll be scratching your head wondering, God, why do you have me here? I feel like my enemies are staring at me. And on the other hand, I feel like there's potential for great freedom. But I don't know what you're going to do. I tell you, Let me tell you what God is going to do. Amen. God is going to bless you. God is going to help you. God is going to, God is setting the enemy up, not you. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, despite everything that has happened, decides to pursue after the children of Israel. He has lost his mind and all good sense. Furthermore, his actions are being aided by spies. If you read verse five, it says, and it was told the king of Egypt. In other words, as Israel was getting ready to leave, there was folks in the camp that were going, they were double agents. They were going between the children of Israel and back to Pharaoh and telling him what was going on. And at first, at least from Pharaoh's perspective, we can imagine that this is a good thing. But this is not a good thing when you've lost your mind. When you've lost your mind and the people ate and there's people and you're surrounded by people aiding you. This is not good. Amen. When you when you are already whacked out and you're crazy. Amen. The last thing you want is yes men telling you that you're crazy is not crazy. And let me just tell you this. Amen. It is so important. And I, if this scares you, good. I want it to scare you. But it is so important that we watch our attitude and our behavior. But above all the attitudes that we need to monitor is the attitude of stubbornness. Because if we remain in our stubbornness, there will come 
counsel. That will, there will come aides. There will come spies. There will come people that will pat you on the back and be like, dig in your heels a little harder. Amen. You no, Don't do that. Amen. Go ahead and fight. Amen. Just go ahead and resist. Amen. Trust me. There's a squad out there for that. Praise God. You don't, you don't want to get surrounded by the kind. You don't want to get surrounded by people that are cheering you on as you're going in the wrong direction. And, and in fact, this is why the book of Proverbs, I believe, it says, let evil flee from the presence of the king. Amen. And righteousness will be established. Amen. There's nothing worse than going in the wrong direction and somebody shouting, keep going. Somebody say, praise the Lord. And so Pharaoh decides, I'm going to get him. He's got his boys telling him that's a great plan. It's not a great plan. It's a horrible plan. The children of Israel appear to be stuck, even in their own eyes. They feel that they are in a bad situation. And what we're about to see here is a classic example of the intricate and the highly evolved over the simple. In verse number nine, I want you to see what the Bible says. It says, the Egyptians pursued them. All, everyone say all. All All of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army. And he overtook them. Verse 10 says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching. Everyone say marching. They were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Here is this group of people that have just come out of slavery. And kind of oddly enough, this is this is this is quite a picture. They're like they're like dripping in gold. <laughs> they have like gold chains and stuff on. Like their clothes are beat up. But they got like gold chains on. I know some people like that. But, but they got a gold. They got gold chains everywhere. They got. They even got backpacks full of gold. They got all kinds of jewelry on them. They're. They are not ready to fight. And there. There could be no. No greater image of simplicity. And I don't know how I got here than this. But they are being pursued by Pharaoh's horses and Pharaoh's chariots. And in the Hebrew, believe it or not, this is besides the point. It's not part of the notes. But in the Hebrew, it does not use the word horses, plural, or the words chariots, plural. It actually uses the singular form of horse and chariot. And the reason it does that is because Moses, the writer, wants you to get this image in your mind of this sophisticated, unified army. And... It's Pharaoh and all his horses and all his chariots and all his army. And they are marching. They are sophisticated. They are syncopated. They are all in unison. They are working as one. And there's all these slaves. Simple. Not very sophisticated. I'm not speaking of the gold here. Very unadorned, if you will. And it's freaking them out. They're like, we got these organized, sophisticated, calculated, menacing people coming after us. In fact, the Bible says, and they begin to cry. And they begin to cry out unto the Lord. The simple, the simple were afraid due to their simplicity. They knew better than anybody else. We don't stand a fighting chance. 
They could not conceive of a way in their mind that they were going to win this war against Egypt. They could not conceive of a way in their mind that they were going to get out of this situation. It could be argued that this is where God wanted them. It could be argued that this is exactly the way God designed things. Because can I tell you that when people feel that they cannot help themselves, that's when God helps them. Can I tell you that when we reach the point where we are certain and beyond the shadow of a doubt that we have maxed out, we have reached our limit. We do not have the weapons, the intelligence, the potential, the means, the resources or anything else to get us out of the situation we're in. That's when God gets involved. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that there is something beautiful and precious about somebody that knows, you know what? I don't got the tools for this. I don't got the education for this. I don't have the means for this. I don't have the resources for this. I don't have the upbringing for this. I don't have the history for this. I don't have the good habits for this. I don't have the strength for this. I don't have the willpower for this. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just hope God helps me. And that's when God shows up and says, I'm here to help you. Hallelujah. You're right where I want you. Amen. Because those are the same people. Those are the same people that when God shows up, they'll be quick to give God the glory. When God shows up, they'll be quick to declare. It wasn't by might. It wasn't by power. But it was by the Spirit of God. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And I want you to know that every week, Sunday to Sunday, this church itself is in a battle from the, uh, against the sophisticated versus the simplicity. Every Sunday, Sunday to Sunday, we're in a battle to see who's really going to win in that Sunday school area back there. Our, 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 our premises, amen, is not as nice as other premises, amen, but can we be effective in the spirit, amen, every time we get in here on Sunday, amen, and we're doing the best we can with a mini drum set, praise God, and, and, and not the best keyboard per se, praise God, but we're not here to try to show off in sophistication, amen, we're here to trust in the Lord that there's going to be a move of God, there's gonna, come on somebody, hallelujah. And I don't care what anybody says. Amen. Uh, they're, they're, they're entitled to their opinion. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But let me just say this. All of Pentecost needs to be careful not to get too cleaned up. Praise God. All of Pentecost needs to be careful to not depend too much on the chariot and on the horse. Because we are not people that are founded. We did not start off with chariots and horses. Praise God. We're just people that came out. Amen. Didn't even know why, why we're being blessed the way we're being blessed. We're just people that have a word from God. A man from God. A man from God, direction from God, praise God, hallelujah, amen, How, come on somebody, we don't need more sophisticated Pentecost, amen, we need people that can depend on the simplicity of prayer, the power of fasting, amen, the power of worship, the power of preaching, praise God, I'm all for pretty churches, I'm all for nice lights, I'm, we're going to have that one day, but let me tell you how we're going to get that, in the simplicity of the gospel, in the simplicity of worship, in the, come on somebody, Hallelujah. And I'll just say this. Amen. I, 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 I probably feel challenged saying that me more than anybody else because I don't think it's just me more than anybody else because we probably all feel it to the same degree or another. You know, the visitors come in and we get excited, but there's always that little doubt. I know I have it. There's always, not, not doubt, but there's always that little concern. Man, do we have enough? Do we have enough to offer them, to keep them? Amen. How sophisticated are we? Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm not, this is really not the point because, but, but, but let me just say this. 
Amen. We always wonder, are we sophisticated enough? I'm going to tell you right now, amen. There's more than one person sitting in this pew that when they first entered an apostolic church, it wasn't so sophisticated. Praise God. And it was more than enough. Hallelujah. It was more than enough. Praise God. It was more than enough. Somebody say amen. The saint of God. Every day. And some of you live in very sophisticated environments. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you're living in the Bay, you're living in a very sophisticated environment. But God is not going to exclude you from having to do the faith walk. God is not going to exclude you. You might have your degree. You might have, amen. You might have graduated Akuma Matata. (laughs) But that does not mean that God is going to put you in a situation where you have no need to pray. Because trust me, there's somebody, there's somebody who's Akuma Matata is more Akuma Matata than you're Akuma Matata. Praise God. There's somebody who graduated with better grades than you. There's somebody who had, there's somebody, there's somebody who did way better. Amen. Hallelujah. On their test than you ever did. There's somebody, amen, whose exit exam, they, they passed it with flying colors. Praise God. There's going to be somebody out there with more talents. There's going to be somebody out there. Amen. Hallelujah. Whose parents are big payers to the local university. Hallelujah. There's going to be somebody out there who has an uncle. Hallelujah. Who's already working for the firm. Amen. But I want you to know, don't you ever feel this? Don't you ever fear the sophistication of this world? You have a God on your side. Hallelujah. You have a God on your side that can put you in situations that you're not. Come on, somebody. You serve a God that can put you in situations you're not qualified for. You serve a God that can open doors that no man can close. Praise God. You serve a God that can make a way where it looks like there is no way. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't you ever lose your confidence in the simplicity and in the power, amen, of God's spirit in your life. Hallelujah. Moses tells the children of Israel, he sees them crying and freaking out. In verse 13 and 14, he says, fear ye not. Amen. That is the first commandment. Before Moses ever told them the Ten Commandments, he gave them the first commandment. Praise God. Fear ye not. Praise God. Before they ever got to Mount Sinai and heard, thou shalt not this or thou shalt not that. He said, let me give you the first thou shalt not. Fear not. Praise God. I'm preaching good right now. Hallelujah. Fear ye not. Hallelujah. I don't care what the situation is. And I know that we, some of us have very serious situations. Hallelujah. But the minute fear gets on you, you need to shake that thing off. You need to tell fear to go, to pack it up and go somewhere else. Praise God. You need to tell fear to pack it up and go somewhere else. Hallelujah. You have a commandment from God. Fear ye not. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Fear ye not. Fear ye not. Stand still. Stand still and see. If I had time, and we do not have time, but if I had time, I'd preach to you about the power of standing still and seeing. And I talk about this a lot around here, but speed distorts perception. The faster you go through things, the less less you really understand what those things are. And God, God, God gets a kick out of slowing us down and even stopping us and saying, you're going to quit sweating bullets. You're going to stand still and watch me work. We're not going to rush through this, but God, I want out of this trial. I don't want you out of this trial. I want you to stand still. I want you to fear not. And you're going to see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show unto you today. Verse number 14 Moses tells the children of Israel, here's what's going to happen. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. 
Now I want you to see what's going on here. Moses is talking some big talk. He's like, stop worrying. God's going to fight. Verse 15 jumps into something kind of funny. You never stop to think about it. At least I didn't. But verse 15, the Lord speaks to Moses and says, why are you crying to me? So Moses was talking this big talk. Be quiet. Don't be afraid. You're getting out of this. God's going to fight. And then he turns around. Oh, God, help these people. Because yeah. Moses, Moses understood the sophistication of Egypt and the simplicity of Israel. Moses knew what those chariots and those horses could do and what that marching army could do. And he knew that these folks here behind him didn't even have weapons. He knew that they were by no means ready. And Moses starts sweating his own bullets. And God looks back at Moses and says, why are you crying to me? Moses, amen, is then told by God in verse 15 through 16. I'm giving you my own version. It's not time to pray. Speak to the children of Israel. Lift up your rod, stretch forth your hand, and watch the Red Sea split. God is essentially saying, stop praying, start moving. Stop praying, start moving. Quit asking for a job, get some applications. Nobody wants to hear that, praise God. Hallelujah. Quit asking for a job, start, look, start asking for applications. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Quit asking for healing. Start working on your health. Praise God. Sometimes that's all you can do is stop being afraid. Sometimes God's saying, all right, you prayed about it. I heard it. Now let's get to work. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes God says, quit praying about this and start studying. Amen. Quit praying about this. Amen. And start moving. Quit praying about this and quit. Quit asking for more money. Start saving the money you got. Praise God. Let's stop praying about this and let's start moving. Hallelujah. Let, come on, somebody. I don't have time to tell you all the time. Jesus looked at people. He said, you are healed. He said, now get up. Now get up. Take your bed and walk. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I talk to you that, that when Jesus, amen, hallelujah, healed Jairus' daughter, he said, I'll raise her from the dead, but you got to feed her. Praise God. Just because God does a miracle doesn't mean the work is over. Praise God. Sometimes you still got to put some feet to the miracle that God's done in your life. Amen. There's nothing worse than somebody who gets a miracle, but then doesn't take care of it. Somebody who gets a miracle, but then doesn't put the miracle to work. Praise God. If God does a miracle in your life, don't assume that the job is over. Praise God. The job has just begun. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. But God wants Moses to know. And the children of Israel. I spoke to you out of a burning bush. I sent ten plagues over Egypt. I humbled Pharaoh. I've done signs and wonders. And I didn't do all that. To fail you now. That's right. It's almost like God is upset. What are you praying about? You think I did all this to drop you off here? You think you think I kept you for the last twenty years, saint of God, to drop you off right here? You think, I, you think I've been good to you since you were a child to drop you off here? You think I saved you from that car accident to drop you off here? You think I brought you out of sin just to let you die here? 
You think I kept my hand on you all these years just to drop you off here? Hallelujah. God is saying, give me some credit. Praise God. Amen. Look at my rapport. Amen. Look at my resume. Hallelujah. And ask me, hallelujah, have I ever failed you? Have I ever let you down? Do you have any reason to even be sweating like this? Do you have any reason to even be stressing like this? Amen. What did, did I not help you through high school? Did I not help you through elementary? How can I not help you through college? Did I not help you through college? How can I not help you get a job now postgraduate? Amen. What do you, who do you think I am? Did I not save you from a life of sin? What may, come on. Come on. Somebody, amen. Has God ever done anything in your life? Oh, come on, let's magnify Jesus. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. I just feel, I just feel, I just feel to go ahead and repeat the old saying, the old adage that we all know. This is good for you to count your blessings. This is good for you to count your blessings. If you're in a situation right now that is bothering you, keeping you up late at night, has you praying and crying the same thing over and over again, put that situation on the shelf for just a few minutes. Get out a pen and get out a piece of paper. And start journaling. What God start journaling what Jesus has done, because let me tell you something. The weakest pen is stronger than your mind. I dare somebody to get up and tell me right now what they ate last Wednesday for breakfast. Most of you don't remember. I'm not afraid to tell you this. I keep a journal. Because I am a journalist for Jesus. And I am documenting the wonders of the Lord in my life. Hallelujah. And I write that stuff down. And, and praise God. And Jamie takes pictures. Praise God. <laughs> my wife takes pictures of everything. But praise God. <laughs> but we write stuff down. We take pictures of stuff. Praise God. We remind the kids of who got that. We remind the kids who opened that door. We Come on, somebody. You, you better remember what Jesus has done. Amen. You better, you better put the stress... Amen. On the shelf. And you better dig into a. You better get your hands on a pen and on some paper. And write down all the good things God has done. Or put yourself in front of that keyboard. And start typing away. As to what God did. Amen. Back in the day. And what God did just a few weeks ago. And what God did. 10 years ago, what God is doing right now. Amen. And I promise you that as you begin to recollect and remember and rehearse what God has done in your life, your faith will go through the roof. Amen. You'll probably have a little prayer meeting as you're doing it. Praise God. And you'll see the wonders of the Lord in your life once again. Somebody shout amen. God hardens the heart of Pharaoh one more time. But what's even worse is that now he hardens the heart of the Egyptians as well. Amen. And this hardening of their hearts manifests in the form of carelessness and recklessness. The, the, the Egyptians see the children of Israel standing at the brink of the Red Sea. And they chase after them. And verse 24 connects us back to verse number 2. Verse 24 says, And it came to pass that in the morning watch... The Lord looked. Now remember, all night they've been standing over a big idol that's called the Lord of the Watch. And in verse 24, Moses says, now we're talking about the Lord that watches over us. Uh, Come on. Come on. And that big idol is now replaced 
by a big pillar of fire. And the Bible says, And the Lord in the morning watched, looked out unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians. And God is now replacing that menacing statue. And he says, I'm the Lord of the watch. I'm the Lord of the watch. I'm the one watching over you. I'm the one keeping vigilance over you. I'm the one whose gaze you ought to be worried about. Don't you fear any of those things. Amen. I have my eyes set on you. And the Bible says that suddenly the wheels of the Egyptians' chariots got stuck in the mud. Amen. They began to scramble and they try to get free. Amen. But they couldn't do it. They were already too far in. They started chasing the children of Israel. The Bible says the children of Israel were crossing the Red Sea and the walls the water was like walls unto them. And when they came in after them, amen, they decided this is not a good idea. In fact, they said themselves, the Lord is on their side. They tried to, they tried to put it in reverse. But they could not. And the Bible says that the waters came crashing down on them. Praise God. And that was the last time that the Israelites saw the Egyptians. Here's the take home. Every one of you, every one of us is going to have a Red Sea that we have to cross. Everyone. When we get there, and you're going to get there, it's vital that our desire for freedom outweigh everything else. When you get to your Red Sea, you're going to have to have a desire that says, I want to be free from intimidation. Number one. I want to be free from intimidation. Yeah. You know, there's people out there, and I don't, I don't mind telling you this. Here's my conspiratorial <laughs> preach for the night. You know, there's people out there that if they do nothing else than make you believe that they're watching you, mm-hmm. they feel very satisfied. Yeah. Job well done. Uh-huh. Manipulator par excellence. There's just time you got to speak to all the seeing spirits and let them know. I know you're watching me. I know you stalked me on Instagram. I know you're watching me on Facebook. I know you watch every move I make. Amen. But I want you to know that there's somebody who's actually watching me closer than you. You know, there's people there. They're they're hawking you. They're watching you. And they, they have a long list of criticisms for you if you just give them a few minutes. Amen. But you need to let those people know. You know what? I know, I know you're always watching me. I know you're stalking me. I know your gaze is on me. But I want you to know there's somebody who's watching me a lot closer than you are. And his name is the Lord. Amen. And unfortunately, I am called to stand and fall before him. Praise God. And I am doing my dead level best to serve him. I am doing my dead level best. Amen. To walk right before him. And I know you might see some areas in my life that you do not approve of. Amen. But why don't you go ahead and talk to him about it? Praise God. And quit acting like God's FBI service. Praise God. Somebody say hallelujah. I'm still preaching really good right now. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't have any desire to make you feel, amen, like I'm watching you. Praise God. I don't want to watch you. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want you to know that God is watching you. Praise God. In fact, if you're intimidated of pastor, I've not done a good job of pastoring you. Praise God. Your job should be to fear the Lord. Hallelujah. To fear the Lord. Amen. Fear the Lord when you're home alone. Fear the Lord. Amen. With your browser history. Fear the Lord with your friendships. Fear the Lord. Amen. With your phone conversations. Fear the Lord when you get up and get dressed in the morning. Not me. Praise God. Fear God. Hallelujah. Know that he is watching you. 
Come on, somebody. Know that he is watching. Hallelujah. We've already talked about this, but we need to get free from sophistication. Get free from sophistication. It's all right if there's a whole sector of your life that's just all prayer. Like that, I'm just trusting God. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. People will frown on it. Sometimes even church folks will frown on it. But just know that you've got to free yourself from sophistication. And you've got to know that there are battles that are not mine. They're God's. I can't put out that many fires. I can't, I can't put out that many fiery darts. But I know a God who can. Last but not least, we have to free ourselves from inaction. From inaction. There comes a time when you just have to put the pedal to the metal. Now, I, I strongly disagree with people that put to the, the pedal to the metal before they pray. I do not believe everything will work itself out. If you do not pray, you are going to get a whooping that will not work itself out. Don't get into anything that you don't have backed up in prayer. And don't. If you've not heard from God, do not take action. There are no yellow lights in the kingdom of God. It is either a red light or a green light. There is no, you know what? Let's see how this works. Proceed with caution, saint of God. Why don't y'all just date for a few months and see how it works? You know, when I was single, we getting back on the singles. We was on you last week. We back. <laughs> you know, I was when I was single in church, I did not have a single girlfriend to my name. Never, never. I did not date. I'm not preaching against dating. I'm just preaching against dating people God ain't talked to you about. And if you want to talk with me after church about somebody you want to date, I got one question for you. Not how do they look, not where do they work, not who's their pastor. Have you prayed? I'm not saying like God need to shine a light on them and you're like, man, an angel appeared over them. And so I know that this is the will of God. But I at least want to know, pastor, I've been in prayer and I've not given him or her any answer yet. I wanted to talk to you first. Because not so that you tell me what to do, but so that I can tell you what I think God is telling me. Because I've been praying about it that much. You know, some people want to go full steam ahead with no word from the Lord. Don't go full steam ahead with no word from the Lord. I'm telling you, you're going to get knee deep in trouble. You're going to get ear deep in trouble. And there's going to be a lot of times you are going to be convinced God is moving too slow. There are going to be times you are going to be convinced that God is not moving on time. You know, I'm going to tell you something. If the opportunity that is being presented to you is of God, you won't miss it. The Bible says that that the that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. God won't let you miss a good opportunity. He will not let you miss a good opportunity. 
I was with somebody the other day. They're, they're probably going to hear this. It's okay. Uh, I was with somebody the other day and their phone rang and they didn't answer. You know, we were hanging out. They didn't want to, you know, talk in front of me, I guess. And uh, maybe he felt I was, I was watching them. Spirit of intimidating. Them. <laughs> Spirit of, anyways. Uh, so they didn't answer. So the phone rang again. And they didn't answer again. Finally, the phone rang the third time. I was like, bro, you better answer that. That's like the same phone number calling you. And when they finally did answer, right in front of them. In fact, we were talking about this very subject. We were talking about God will make up. God won't allow a good opportunity to pass you. God will bless you. God won't let you just fall into a ditch. God's going to take care of you. And like my brother's crying. Like, like we're having a moment in the car. Like we're prophesying in the front seats. Like it's, it's intense. Yeah. And the phone starts ringing, and he won't answer it. So finally, like on ring on, on the third ring, I'm like, bro, you better get that. And sure enough, he answered the phone, and everything I was telling him started transpiring over the phone call. There was a person on the other phone that was an answer to prayer that started telling him, boom, 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 boom. And it confirmed everything we had been talking about. But God didn't let him miss that situation. God said, I got this for you. I'm not, I'm going to put you in the car with the right person that's going to tell you to pick up. I, if, if you don't answer the first time, I'll have him call you three more times. See, we don't believe that. We don't buy, I feel a little spirit of doubt in the air. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if it's of God, God will bring it to your front door. If it's of God, God will open the door. If it's of God, Nobody can close the door. Come on, somebody. Don't rush into a situation that you have no word of God for. Don't rush into a situation that you have no leading of the spirit for. Don't rush into a situation that you have no Moses for. Somebody say praise God. And that's the end of tonight's lesson. Let us stand. And let us lift our hands.